Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the all-new Multiversity Manga Club Reborn. Um, we are starting a podcast, resurrecting the old manga club from its um, written form. And um, I, I'm Zach Wilkerson, the uh, original writer for the Multiversity Manga Club, and I'm lucky to be joined today by my co-host Walt Richardson and Emily Myers. Hey guys. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Doing all right. All right. Well, well, I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. Um, the first book that we've chosen for our manga club is um, Pokemon Adventures, written by Hidenori Kusaka. Mm -hmm. I may have butchered that. I'm really bad with my Japanese pronunciation. That's fine. And, and illustrated by Mato. So we're going to talk about that here in a, in a little bit. Um, but I thought first we might introduce ourselves a little bit by talking about kind of our histories with with manga, how you know, what we've read, how we kind of got into it. Um, so Walt, do you want to do you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, just to briefly introduce myself. My name is Walt Richardson. I was a former editor at Multiversity. Some of you may recognize my name from articles I did, my voice from podcasts I've appeared on, but you probably don't actually know who I am and that's fine. Um, so I'm primarily have a history with reading American comics, reading some European comics, not as many as I would like, but like a lot of uh, people in my generation, I guess, you know, I grew up playing JRPGs, watching Toonami and such. And so of course I've uh, gotten into manga in some form, you know, when I was growing up, read a few things that seemed interesting to me, especially when I couldn't get enough Dragon Ball. Um, and then recently, it was actually from a multiversity fellow writer and now editor, Mike Romeo. He like wrote some article about how Weekly Shonen Jump is the best value in comics, whether or not you read manga normally. And so I took him up on his word. And since then, my manga intake has increased dramatically. <laughs> it is a really good deal. <laughs> it's Absolutely. a great deal. I think it, it truly is the best deal in comics, I think. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, what is it? Is it currently $28 a year? I thought it was year, $25 or? a year. Yeah, I think, some, I think uh, right about that. Uh, $25.99, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah, because last time, yeah, last time I, I uh, renewed my subscription, that's, that's how much it was. And I think multiple times a year it goes on sale for closer to $20 a year. Yeah. It's a little bit more, but close to 20 And, you know, this is not to continue just what Mike did with his column a year or two ago, but it's like about, on average, about 200 uh, pages an issue every week with only a couple fill-in weeks. Even if you're only reading one series, it's worth the investment. And you just find so many things that you wouldn't otherwise. And it's been one of the best comics-related decisions I've made, that that makes it sound really momentous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you, definitely. And we're going to talk a little bit about Weekly Shonen Jump towards the end of the podcast. Um, but Emily, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with manga? Yeah, sure. Um, my history is kind of similar to Walter's. Um, you know, I grew up watching Toonami, um, 
you know, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, that kind of thing. Um, and I kind of dropped out of anime and manga for a while. And then just like two or three years ago, I kind of got back into anime, <laughs> which led me to manga. I started, I, I picked up a few volumes of Monster, started reading those, and Walter mentioned to me that he had subscribed to Shonen Jump. So I subscribed as well. Um, I started reading One Piece, My Hero Academia, all the things currently running. And I guess the biggest thing I jumped onto around that time was One Piece. Uh, I ended up reading all of One Piece in about, I want to say, two months, <laughs> which is pretty crazy now that I look back on it. Walter has frequently told me how many times, like, how just the arc of Dressrosa is longer than, like, most American comics he knows. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, my history with manga is, is much more robust than my history with, with American comics. Uh, I actually mostly read manga, so I'm a little different from you guys in that. Um, and the American comics I do read are, tend to be creator-owned stuff, not too many um, superhero comics. So, yeah. Um, excited to talk about manga with you guys, especially Pokemon, which I love. <laughs> I think we all do. It's yeah. A, yeah, definitely a shared interest. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'm kind of a mix between the two of you, um, kind of similar to both of you. I, you know, was associated with Toonami, uh, growing up and, and all of that. Although I didn't really care for Dragon Ball Z as a Oh, kid, like when it was first coming out I just I just like couldn't get into it a lot of my friends liked it and I just thought it was kind of silly um, but I liked a lot of other things like that and and kind of just like Japanese culture in general was a big part of my interest with things like Power Rangers and stuff mm -hmm. so Sentai. yeah Sentai Super Sentai um, so that kind of like seed was always there and then of course like JRPGs uh, Final Fantasy oh. things like that were a huge influence right. <laughs> um but then actually in, I guess, kind of like late, actually, I guess it would have been like early high school, mm -hmm. I kind of was reintroduced to Dragon Ball Z and started reading it through the manga mm -hmm. um, and read the, read the whole series through as the manga um, and, and, and loved it, but then kind of took a break from both, from both anime and, and manga for a while and kind of around the same time frame, I guess, as... as Walt and, and maybe even you, Emily, mm -hmm. I, I started getting back into anime and got a got a Crunchyroll subscription Ooh. and then around that same time read Mike's article about Weekly Shonen Jump and got a Shonen Jump subscription. And so kind of just like dove in headfirst mm -hmm. um, to both of those and, and kind of haven't looked back since. Yeah, I well, it's probably all right that you kind of dropped off Dragon Ball Z at that time because the dub the early Funimation dub was not that good it's probably yeah. good, better that you read it in manga form <laughs> to be honest it was it was actually like really wonderful because I now I've actually gone back and, and I've been watching the series um but the the Kai edit yeah, oh, it's yeah. Fine. I really mm -hmm. just can't yeah it's fine I just really can't I don't care for all of the filler yeah and and with Kai they took out I think all of the filler pretty much they really, they yeah. really slimmed it down. I don't think they did anything with the animation, but yeah, they really, they really condensed it. <sighs> well, well, I think they removed some of the filler animation in the sense of there's right. like less scenes of you know just 
Yeah, and I mean, I think I remember looking and seeing that, like, the original, like, however many episodes they were on Namek, like, they didn't even fight Frieza until episode 100 or something, or, or Goku didn't defeat Frieza until episode 100, and then Kai had it at, like, episode 50, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it trims it down a lot. Yeah. I think the entire, um, from the beginning of the Saiyan saga to the end of the Cell saga, which is currently all that exists in, in English, they just started dubbing the, the Boo saga, the Boo right? Saga. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like 98 episodes wow. from wow. Saiyan to end of Cell, which is, yeah, kind of crazy. It says something that, you know, 98 episodes, that's like, that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, what is One Piece up to now in the anime? Ooh, it's like um, seven or 800? Uh, I have a Crunchyroll subscription too, and I think I saw that it's it's got to be in the late 700s now, as far yeah. as episodes go, yeah. And that, that's just the, that's the Japanese version, right? The English no, dub the English, is way Oh, the English dub way is way behind. behind. I think it's only on, like, in the 400s. Um, yeah. Yeah, they just, they just got to, like, Marineford, which is, like... 300 episodes away from where they are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, One Piece's dub, I know we're not, you know, talking about anime on this, but One Piece's dub has had a really uh, troubled past, which is why I think they're so far behind. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it is interesting, like anime and manga do kind of go hand in hand in, in a lot of ways. Um, so I feel like it's inevitable that it'll come up some. Especially compared to American comics, you know, like, so... Most big manga series are going to have some kind of anime, whether it follows closely or not. Whereas American comics, especially if it's something creator-owned, you know, the odds of that happening are, shall we say, slim. Hmm. Yeah. Right, and a lot of anime series are made to sell the manga or advertise the manga. Like, um, besides big shonen series that tend to go on, like, most anime series cover, like, if they're based on a manga, cover like maybe the first few volumes and don't tend to go much further. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it can be yeah. really daunting to follow a shonen anime series. <laughs> yeah, they're very long running, and it's just kind of a completely different landscape than American comics. Yeah. And, and that. Um, yeah. which are, are made to be kind of like a, as accessible as possible, you know, with like blockbuster films and, and like constant jumping on points. Whereas manga is, <laughs> it's really something you just either need to start from the beginning or just be brave enough to dive in. Yeah. I mean, I, which is what I did for a few things. Yeah. 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 With weekly Shonen Jump, you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think with some series, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but, you know, with One Piece, I think it's possible to jump on, like, at the beginning of an arc and kind of get what's going on. You might not get all the references, but for some of those series, Toriko, <laughs> um, <laughs> jumping on in the middle is, yeah. it's incomprehensible. <laughs> Bleach. Yeah. Yeah, I, did, I didn't even attempt. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess we can go ahead and start talking about our our book club offering for the month. Um, as I mentioned, we, we picked Pokemon Adventures because it's a few months out, but there's still a pretty good contingent of Multiversity staffers who are quite obsessed with Pokemon Sun and Moon. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great games. Um, very, very good games. <laughs> so we we decided to pick this series. I don't know how familiar you guys were with it prior to prior to reading it. I've always kind of been peripherally aware of it and and interested in it. Um, Right. But I've I've never, you know, looked into it that much. Yeah, I remember, I actually, um, I mean, I've been a Pokemon fan since I was like 10 or 11, but I remember hearing about it around that time and how it was like so much darker and like, um, you know, deeper than like the games and stuff. And, you know... After reading it, it I mean, it definitely is darker than the games, but it's not like, you know, grim dark or anything like that. It's, it's you know. It's not berserk. No, no. I mean, but like, you know, as like an 11-year-old kid, I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy. Like, oh, the gym leaders are part of Team Rocket and stuff. Like, it, you know, that kind of blew my mind at the time. But now that I'm reading it, I'm like, mm, yeah, this is, this is a little darker, but, you know, it's not it's not like too over the top. It's not like how a lot of people want, like, you know, heaven forbid, a grim, dark Pokemon game. Um, That's a whole different tangent that I could... <laughs> my, my disdain for the idea of making Pokemon grim and realistic it could be a podcast unto itself. Yeah. I, I mean, guess... <laughs> but... Yeah, my, my thought is that, like, it's about as, quote-unquote, dark as I would want, like, an interpretation I mean, of Pokemon. I mean, gets... And Arbok gets decapitated. Yes, in the it does. Course of, so <laughs> so our, our discussion uh, is we're primarily focusing on the first three volumes of it. Uh, Viz recently, well, maybe it's been more than a year or two at this point. My sense of time has been completely screwed over by law school. Um, <laughs> but there's a box set that covers the first seven volumes. Mm-hmm. Um the first three volumes form a sort of cohesive story in and of itself. Um, follows a path similar to the original Red and Blue games, uh, and a little, especially more so than, like, say, the anime series, which has you know so much. It's got like new things made up, new locations, and the. Not that, you know, fidelity to the source material is a hallmark of quality all the time, but um, (laughs) I I found it very interesting how compared to, say, Gen 3 on, now I'm getting into Pokemon terms that I can't guarantee that everybody listening knows, compared to uh, Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, the Game Boy Advance games uh, that came out... where there was more of a definite story from the get-go. The original Pokemon games, as anyone listening probably knows, there, there wasn't really any story to them. No. <laughs> you, you go around, you fight some people, there's like vague like hints at something that could be a story. Not hints in the way that they're hiding something, just, oh, we need to make it look like something's going on. But, you know, there isn't much in the way of the story. And so it's pretty interesting to me how uh, Kusaka kind of took that same framework, you know, Red, the main character, not Ash, um, (laughs) goes on a path very similar to the one that you go through the game um, in terms of like the locations that he visits and everything. But they've kind of like take and even goes, you know, fights 
similar people, does similar events like the cycling race. And they find a way to kind of string it all together with some semblance of a plot that wasn't originally there. And I found that very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it. when I was reading it, uh, like just between volumes, I kind of thought, okay, well, it, it, it kind of feels like, okay, this happened, then this happened. But like when I looked back on it, I was like, okay, there was definitely like kind of a cohesive plot here that, that ended, you know, like it began and ended with like, you know, plot threads being followed throughout with Mew and Team Rocket. I thought it was pretty, thought it was pretty solid. Um, just, you know, obviously, uh, like you said, the Gen 1 games, um, most Pokemon games are pretty, uh, sparse in the plot department. I mean, they have a semblance of plot, but mostly the plot is just there to deliver you the gameplay. Um, and that's really apparent in Gen 1. So to be able to, like, make something, you know, compelling enough um, from the Gen 1, from what's given to you in the Gen 1 games was, I thought, pretty impressive, honestly. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, I... um I kind of had a similar impression at first, kind of like the the stream of consciousness storytelling, the way it would just jump from from moment to moment without a lot of like clear resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there were multiple moments where I would have to go back and and remind myself that oh yeah, Red actually did get a badge there from that person. Yeah, that, that ha- yeah, you know, like small things like that. But in terms of you know, doing interesting things with the source material. You mentioned how a lot of the gym leaders are like Team Rocket bosses or members, and right. um, which I thought was you know like a cool little interesting touch. Um, overall, I I would say I enjoyed these fairly fairly well, mm-hmm. but they they kind of didn't they weren't what I expected at all. Yeah based on kind of my impression coming in that they were, you know, kind of the, the more accurate adaptation versus the anime, which I would say they still are, they are closer to the, the, game. the, to the yeah. game. Yeah. But I was kind of expecting something more along the lines of like, uh, I was expecting more typical shonen tropes mm. due to the nature of, of the games, you know, Um, I was expecting a lot more emphasis on battle and that sort of like these kind of long drawn out battles that you might see in like, you know, one of the big shonen uh, manga. Yeah. And I I thought that was kind of interesting too, because in a way it felt more to me in terms of its pacing. And this is biased from the fact that most of the manga I read is, you know, like either battle shonen or you know drawn out drama uh but it's been a while since i've read much mongo that it's like this where most of these were single chapters that told a complete story it was part of something else something bigger but you know there was a clear beginning and end to that chapter until you got towards about the end of the uh first main arc then there was a few more like you know to be continued yeah. sort of things between each chapter. Um, so that, in terms of the pacing of it, uh, it, it seemed a bit different. But then again, this is probably, you know, aiming for 
a broader audience, the audience that can just read one, read two, whenever they can. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's not something I personally, in my admittedly limited experience, read too much of in manga. Whereas that used to be the standard in mm -hmm. uh, American comics. You know, now it's becoming less and less, but uh, it, that's something I'm more familiar with in American comics. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting parallel. Yeah, I did think that the, I mean, um, I don't know how familiar you are, you are with the original anime, Zach, but um, I did think that the... I, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the all of the original like, yeah. pre-Jojo stuff. Like the first few seasons of Pokemon, like up to the Indigo League, <laughs> Elite right. Four. Yeah, um, I thought that, you know, I thought... Honestly, like, I mean, Red did kind of follow the, I guess, path that the player character takes in Red and Blue. Um, and I guess Ash kind of does too, but I mean, I kind of liked the fact that um, they did something different with the gym leaders. Because in the later games, like, the gym leaders kind of have more of a, a hand in the actual plot of the game. And in the first generation, that wasn't really the case. So I, you know, even though it was kind of cheesy sometimes, I thought it was kind of neat that, like, you know, Lieutenant Surge was a bad guy and, you know, Blaine defected from Team Rocket and all that stuff. I thought it made it a little more interesting rather than just following the game's path, which is just basically you defeat all the gym leaders and become the Pokemon champion. <laughs> you know, it adds a little more yeah, I always thought Lieutenant Surge. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, go on. Oh, I was gonna say I just always thought Lieutenant Surge seemed kinda like a jerk. So this <laughs> this played yeah, out my own like head cannon. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And it's it's still and this is getting nitpicky because all three of us talking were each big fans of the games and everything. Uh, so we can't expect the story to perfectly mimic, you know. Right. You know four moves, you take your turns mm -hmm. and everything, but it was a little bit more, you know, you didn't have any aim for the horn shenanigans <laughs> uh, as happened in the anime, but it's still kind of, uh, you notice sometimes if you're like into this stuff already, you play the games, it's hard to, even if it's in furtherance of the story, you see something like, hmm. That electric type Pokemon just used an electric attack on a ground type, and it works. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how I feel about yeah, that. Yeah, I thought the I thought the battles were. I thought when they kind of broke the rules of the game, they were more interesting than what the anime did. Um, yeah, and it kind of skirts a line in that regard. That they try, you know, they're using uh, moves from the game. You know, they make sure to say, you know, use Thunderbolt, use Ember, you know, whatever. But it, I agree that when they kind of break out, that's when it kind of got more interesting. It got kind of more into uh, what Zach brought up before, kind of more into the territory of the shonen fighting, especially in the uh, championship battle at the end of the third volume. Hmm. Yes, that, yeah, that chapter very much kind of was the one... That chapter was what I expected the whole series to be like. Yeah. And and I'm kind of interested... I wonder if as the series progresses, because this is, you know, kind of outside our scope, but it's... Pokemon Adventures has gone on and, and 
covered you know aspects of every every generation and even the a lot of the remakes and stuff so i wonder as the series progresses if it if it takes on kind of more of that shonen tone or if it's still you know very like light light-hearted yeah bite-sized chunks i've read up through the uh yellow uh i guess you could say arc uh it's the volumes four five six and seven and it does kind of seem like right by the end of that first arc they kind of hit that like okay this is the good balance to get to and they kind of follow that a bit more in uh the yellow arc uh so yeah i I think i think you're right that it was something that they hit on at the end and kind of realized that okay this is how we should continue with this yeah well um something i'm kind of interested in getting your your opinions on um one of the bigger i guess creations additions for this manga is the character of green um whereas you know red is is basically ash and and blue is gary green is this um third female character who is kind of a foil for the two boys throughout the the first three volumes what were your thoughts on her well if i'm not mistaken uh when Pokemon first was released in Japan, wasn't it red, green, and blue? Or was it red and green? It, it, it was red and green, I believe, and, blue, and then blue came right. green. Okay. But I don't think there was a female Yeah, in the first one there wasn't. And so um, I, th- I thought it was a good way to... Obviously, they didn't want... I think part of the reason was, first of all, you know, they did want a similar female character since there wasn't that sort of role in the base games but also you know this is sounds a little bit cynical but they didn't want to be like okay we've got venusaur charizard and blastoise we have to pick two of them (laughs) and and they didn't want but but they also didn't want to like you know really shoehorn in another character that they just randomly encounter Mm. uh instead instead she kind of uh fits the mold a bit more of being a maybe not major character, but kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, I guess you could say she's a. If she's not a primary character, but she's a strong, elevated secondary character, um, at least to begin with. I know uh, she definitely becomes more prominent as the series goes on. Spoiler, I guess. Um, <laughs> and so it it felt like a better way to uh, introduce a another female character to well at the same time getting that whole original starter trilogy in a way that didn't feel like kind of shoehorned in oh we got we got it we got to have blastoise too right well and isn't her um her character design kind of looks like the uh uh you you couldn't choose a gender for your character in the first gen games in red and blue until it was remade as fire red and leaf green and she pretty much looks like the female character in those games, um, minus the hat. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, yeah. I don't know how long her design has been in, like, the creators' minds, but, I mean, I think this manga originally came out in the late 90s, right? Mid to late 90s? I, I think that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that would have been before... 
That, that would be before uh, the remakes, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Before it even came um, out in I, the U.S. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was also a very... Uh, not su- surprise is the wrong word. Um, I liked Mato's art a lot. And I liked how it kind of departed from... You know, when a lot of people talk about Pokemon art, they're talking about, you know, the iconic Sugimori. Yeah. You know, he, he does a lot of the official art for the series. And she makes some pretty strong departures from that. Obviously, it's based on uh, the designs, of course. You know, she doesn't, like, take design liberties in, like, giving, you know, red looks like red, blue looks like blue, Venusaur looks like Venusaur. Um, but the stylization... It, kind of gives it a little bit more of a a style that you would expect from a from a comic rather than just game art. I right. think that, you know, there's a little bit of the characters get a lot more expressive. Uh, there's a little bit of that kind of uh, at certain moments the, I guess you could say, the chibiization or something Super like that deformed uh, or whatever well not really but but it's cuter not, not, not it's cuter things, yeah. a little more rounded than sugimori's art the bodies get a little bit smaller the heads get a little bit bigger um and i think it works very well uh there were very few points where things seemed like really crowded or unclear in terms of the art you know it was very clear to read and while the action as we've said isn't like as uh, it wasn't as prominent as we might have expected. When that did happen, I thought she did a very good job. Yeah. Yeah, it was... I really liked... I mean, um... I mean, you're right. A lot of her, her Pokemon designs are not... They're not that different from, I'm, you know, from Sugimori's original, original concept art. Um, I really liked her Pikachu. It's really cute. <laughs> yeah, she found, she found a way to like, you know, I'm one of the diehard, you know, I like the fat Pikachu, <laughs> the old school, before... It got more streamlined. You know, the, uh, bef- before they realized, oh wait, this is going to be our mascot character. Um, and I think she kind of gets like a little... Uh, kind of like a good medium between the original designs that were around for it and, you know, the post-boom version of it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's looks like a mouse. Mm-hmm. Whereas the modern one, it, it's I think it's gone further and further away from its mouse roots, so to speak. Yeah, it, it's um, gotten... Like, it, it started really chubby and then it kind of got thinner and thinner until I don't really even remember how Pikachu looks now, but it's way different from that first like, cute little fat one <laughs> that you see in the games, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I I don't really have, a, a, I guess, a lot else to, to contribute in terms of criticisms. Um, it's, it's not necessarily something like at the end of this first these first three volumes it's nice and self-contained i I don't feel particularly compelled to keep reading Mm -hmm. um but i also would i would recommend it to like anyone who you know is a big pokemon fan yeah yeah i i'd I'd say that it's probably the 
I think that I stole this from Emily, but I think it's probably the uh, best Pokemon media that was not one of the actual, like, you know, main series games. It, it sets a higher bar than I think some of the other stuff. It's It's not incredible or anything, but if you are already a big fan of Pokemon, I'd say that the first three volumes are worth having. Yeah, I think... Um, it, yeah, I don't think I would really recommend this to anyone who doesn't already at least have some interest in Pokemon. I mean, it's still kind of... I mean, as much as I, I like it and think it's fun, it's still kind of juvenile. I don't think there's really anything that, that would interest, like, you know, an adult reader who doesn't already like the games or something. But... It's a perfectly fine read, and it's way better than watching, like, the anime or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. That's probably, like, one of the, like, best, um, like, pull quotes I can give it is it's better than the anime, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we, we grew up with the anime, and I have fond memories of it, but I'm not going to tell you that it's, like, awesome now, you know? The animation's right. pretty bad, and... It, you know, the voice acting doesn't really hold up, but these are fine. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say you should watch it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. All right. Uh, so I guess we'll take a brief break uh, and then we'll get back to the uh, section of the manga club where we talk about what's currently going on, you know, you know, current ongoing series or the equivalent uh, in Weekly Shonen yes. Jump. <laughs> I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Uh, the second half of each of our Manga Club episodes is going to be devoted more towards current, ongoing, serialized uh, series. Um, now, it's going to be a policy that we're not going to cover things that aren't officially, as in legally, available in English uh, or at least we're not going to go in depth into them if, you know, maybe one of us will mention something about this series or that series. And so for now, that mostly constrains us to what's currently in Weekly Shonen Jump. Though we may, based on our own interests or possibly listener suggestions, uh, branch out into, you know, now Kodansha, I believe, is doing a certain series kind of a la carte in comicsology like you would any, you know, Western comics release. Um, which is pretty cool. But for now, we're going to just be starting with the series that are in Shonen Jump. And I thought that I'd start off with uh, a ser series that began in 2016. And for this first episode, rather than talking about just the preceding month, we're going to talk about the preceding year to kind of get off on a solid start. Uh, one of my newest favorite series uh, as that's been running in the magazine has been The Promised Neverland. I don't know about the two of you, but that's just been very different uh, for me. It, it scratches a very different itch than everything else in the book, or in the magazine. Yeah, it, it, I think we talked about this a little before, but it, it kind of reads like a young adult dystopia novel. Um, it's, it's not tropey in the way that most manga is tropey. It's, it's, I mean, it definitely has its, you know, things you're going to recognize, but it's definitely different than pretty much anything else in Shonen Jump right now. Feels more Western in its, in its like plot structure anyway. Uh, have you been reading it, Zach? Yeah, I have. Um, 
Yeah, I've been keeping up with that one. It's um, it's I wouldn't say it's necessarily one of my f- favorites necessarily, but I do feel like it it has a consistent level of quality. Yeah. Um, and it is like very different. I think something that's going to come out, you know, as we we like do this podcast, we'll learn a bit more about each other's tastes, mm-hmm. and it'll right. very quickly come out that I'm a pretty blatant um like shonen fan like i'm i just i just like naturally am i am drawn to those kinds Mm -hmm. of things um you know regardless of their quality (laughs) and that's my you know (laughs) so so when i talk about black clover yeah so 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 this is definitely different from that since this is a new series i don't feel too bad about like doing a brief overview um Basically, the idea is you've got this uh, family of sorts of these different children. You know, they're, it's clearly at the beginning some sort of orphanage type situation. And then you find out that they're all extremely smart. And they've got this one mother-like figure who's watching over them. Um, and it turns out that they're being trained to be extremely smart for nefarious purposes, you know. Namely, to feed, possib- to possibly feed, possibly demons. It's still a bit yeah. of a mystery. And so, the three kind of oldest, smartest kids are finding a way to escape. Yes. <laughs> and I, my thing is, you know, I like it. I think one of its biggest faults is the fault that always happens whenever you try to write smart children. They don't sound like children anymore. Um, you know, you sometimes you sometimes find people who can write a character where you're like, okay, this sounds like this. You know, this is a smart kid, but they still sound like a kid. And to make a comparison that uh, Zach and I will get, that you know, not to sorry to leave you out, Emily, <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of like Grant Morrison's Damian Wayne, where you know he's. For the most part, there are, with some exceptions, uh, he's, you know, clearly, you know, smart, arrogant, but he still sounds like a kid. And that's kind of something that I think this series is missing. And it's especially when it gets kind of like info dumpy as they're going on and on about, oh, you know, well, she might figure out this because this happened. And that can sometimes lose me and pull me out of there. Yeah, I feel like I I don't know if it's, I don't want to, like, you know, diss the translator or anything. I don't know if it's the translator or the, just the original writing, but it feels a little awkwardly translated sometimes. Like, it... Yeah, and, and that's... Yeah. That's something that's always going to be difficult for us to tell um, as people who, I at least I know, I don't know a lick of Japanese besides Kaikaku because of that <laughs> internet meme from long knows. ago with Kaikaku. <laughs> Um, but, and I also, I, I do like the art. It's, Mm. it's an interesting style that sometimes looks a little bit weird, but the one thing is when it goes into those kind of like full on horror moments, then you're like, okay, this guy can draw. Like, I don't always feel the style, but when the horror ish elements kick in, then it's, yeah, I feel like his people look weird. Like to me, whenever he does like a. Uh, like a like a profile view. It kind of looks like something from like a how to draw manga book to me. 
I that's what I feel like <laughs> That's my that's my very cold put down yeah. um, that I used for Hunter <laughs> X Hunter that uh, sorry Hunter X Hunter fans. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just, yeah, but you're right. Like when he, it's like when he does people, like it's fine. It's serviceable because I, I'm mostly in it for like, I think it's fine enough for the plot. It's, it's, you know, it's working for. See, I think, I think that that's a little bit unfair because I think it's unique. Mm. Um, It's definitely different. It doesn't look like everything else in it, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, it it looks a little... I don't know. It look, to me, it looks a little unpolished, at least uh, um, comparing it to a few other things in Shonen Jump, but it's fine. And you're right. The the monster designs are awesome. So it makes me think like, okay, he's really got his monster designs down. That's like his, that's his thing. Um, the people just yeah. don't really do it for me. Yeah, I do. I do really appreciate that. Like both the, the art and the, the tone of the story and, and kind of the plot are very different than a lot of the other series that are running in, in Weekly Shonen Jump right now. I'm, <clears throat> I was actually kind of surprised that, that this one got picked up and continued um, for, for people who aren't super familiar with the way that Weekly Shonen Jump works in America. There's kind of like the core set of books and then every once in a while um, they will they'll do these things called jump starts where they will kind of like do test runs of, of new series from Japan and they'll they'll run, you know, about three, three three chapters yeah. of, a, of yeah. a series. And this was one of the recent jump starts from from last year. And um, I was surprised that this one ended up sticking around, but I'm, I'm glad that it did. Yeah, I'm honestly. Uh, were there any? Uh... Go ahead. No, Go I was gonna ahead. say I was. I'm honestly surprised this one got picked up compared to some of the others. That um, it seems like it would have. Well, I mean, this is the this is. Um, the American show and jump does like, does it change based on like, if it gets picked up in Japan, does it get picked up here or is it different? I think, I think, I think I'll have to double check, you know, this is the disadvantage of doing a podcast rather than an article. You can go back mm-hmm. and edit later. So you don't sound like, so I don't sound like yeah, I don't sorry. know what I'm talking <laughs> no. about. But, um, I, I think that these are running in other magazines, uh, because you know there are multiple manga right. magazines, of course, going in uh, right. Japan. So Hyper Jump and yeah, uh, and I and I actually I don't know like how accurate I'm on Wikipedia right now on the Weekly Shonen Jump page, <laughs> and they have a list of series that run in Weekly yeah. Shonen Jump, and I I the list is much greater okay. than what we have. Okay. Obviously. Oh yeah, like so I think it's like I think maybe in yeah, Japan, I think you're right. They have a wider selection, and and we get a fraction of that. Yeah, because they only have like Gintama uh, and stuff, and other things that are yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, were there were there any uh, Jumpstart series that either of you read and liked, and were either or that you didn't like? You know that maybe you were surprised that they didn't get picked up, or glad that they didn't get picked up. Um, uh, just any 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 in the past year that stuck out to you. I know what you're going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I'm priming for my own. We're going to let you have that moment, Walter. (laughs) Um, did, so Red Sprite was one. Um, well, Red, there were two others that got picked up. Red Sprite and Love Rush. 
and they they were actually picked up, uh, but they just ended within the span mm. of a year. But wait, did Lo- did did Red Sprite get canceled? It mm. did. Um, yeah, it, it, it ended uh, pretty much right at the end of two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I think it only had about like fourteen or fifteen chapters. It wasn't. Yeah, that fifteen. It wasn't right. very good. I mean, it was fine. Like I read it, I was like, eh, this is something I could keep up with, but it really wasn't very like memorable at all. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised. I didn't necessarily love the story. I did really like the art, but um, Amalgam of Distortion. Yeah, that I was. Uh, I didn't like the story myself, but I agree. The art was very good for, uh, you know, the, it was this, like, it's basically, if I remember correctly, the guy, this guy kind of gets uh, injured in an accident trying to save a child, uh, and he wakes up and he's kind of been experimented on and turned on into like a sort of, semi-cybernetic monster is that correct yeah yeah i think i think he had like he had like a lot of like bone yeah that's it it was bone rather than uh okay and Um, yeah i agree the art for that was pretty impressive but i i don't miss it terribly because it was mainly about the art which is important of course this is comics yeah yeah it just it hit a lot of tropes that i i felt like resonate with kind of how I see the the general Shonen Jump demographic. And so I was kind of, I, I'm not too sure about how like a lot of these jump starts, like who decides how they stay on. I assume it has to do with the the survey mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's yeah. in every issue. But I, I kind of expected that one to stay around and was uh, surprised that it, that it didn't get Yeah, I'm up. assuming that Japan yeah. has the final word on uh, what stays well, I no, I think I think for in terms of well, well I mean, term, like, yeah, if it, if you're it right doesn't in that obviously, way. you know, if it doesn't continue in Japan, it doesn't continue here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in terms of like what gets in the uh, American Weekly Shonen Jump, I think that is mainly decided by the okay. surveys, if oh, not right, entirely. Right. I'm not sure, because um, you know, at the end it says, you know, be sure to fill out the <laughs> which, survey. If which you every it. time you voted against Love Rock. <laughs> <laughs> you made sure. You made sure to. Uh... Yes, as was alluded to earlier, I Love Rush was a series. It was basically the sort of thing that stands as a good example, as I see it, of why a lot of people do not like manga, anime, other Japanese media that is imported here, aiming towards a similar crowd. It was. A... They had their most recent uh, harem comedy. Uh, and Misakoi, and that's kind of a staple. You have to have one haremish comedy. Um, and this one, the whole premise was something about, like, a guy who something happens where he's extremely attractive to all these, like, monster girls, <sighs> and but he's, like, really into this girl that he grew up with, and it was just... Uh, I I couldn't stand it, and I, I did. Every, <laughs> and it was still in the magazine. Every, every single survey I wrote in to say some, some variation of Love Rush is bad and gross. Yeah. Please, please stop I mean, I remember it. there was the only part of it I even really looked at. I, I saw the art and I just said, nope. Um, um, but I remember yeah, seeing something. Yeah, I remember seeing something like one of the first pages was like, 
you know, I'm a shy succubus. I'm only 14 years old. I was like, oh my god. Oh. There's so much wrong with Jesus that sentence. Christ. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one of the, I, I guess, you know, there is obviously a market for that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Or, I mean, that that is a huge part of manga and anime culture. Um, yeah. I don't know it translates as well into Western cultures. No, I don't think so. Except in really a hardcore section of yeah. the fandom. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's surprising. Well, not that it's not surprising that you picked that one, but I thought the one you were alluding to was Demon's Plan. So, Ooh, not to Demon's spend too much plan. stuff on things we on things on things we didn't like. <laughs> There's other things that we did like a lot that we'll get to. But <laughs> if if you're able to go back and find the uh, issue that the first issue of the first chapter of Demon's Plan came out in, it's almost worth it to get that issue just because that is. I can't mince words it was one of the most like amazing disasters oh. of a comic i've seen from a oh, structure point just in a single beautiful chapter. train wreck yeah. <laughs> it, like it was bad but in a way that was like wow <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was just not just that it was like it, it was kind of generic and everything that's besides the point the structure of it was an incredible disaster of they basically went through what would have been what or what could have been the first like two maybe even three arcs of story in a single <laughs> chapter it was like every time i turned the page i was like what yeah what yeah they What's like established like this like deep friendship between the two main characters in like three pages and then they establish like the main, con- which to be fair is a is a shonen right, stand. Right, right, right. But I mean, it was just it, it was tropey and stereotypical. It was like every right, shonen even Trump. for shonen, like it was. Trump, it was so. Trump, I mean, oh, I have Trump on the brain. Gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, um, it was all the. It was everything that was wrong with Trump. Oh please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But. Let's get on to things that we liked. We're all yeah, reading. Let's not be negative all the time. <laughs> it, it's very difficult for me to not be negative all the time. So let's yeah, try not to be. Uh, there are a lot of good things. What would you say if you could? If you had to pick one, what is your favorite series right now? You go, Walter. Honestly, I think that when it comes to like favorite, the thing that has me excited to read every week is Food Wars. And now it seems kind of hypocritical when I was just talking about the grossness of a love rush. Food Wars is a little bit, I guess the term that people use now is problematic. I can see why some people don't <laughs> like it. Uh, a general, It's been around for a while now, so I imagine most of our listeners are probably familiar with it. But generally, it's, you know, a cooking manga with like kind of a tournament uh, fighting manga flair to it you know everyone's like competing to make the best dish you know i think dragon ball z meets iron chef or something like That's that it's all perfect analogy. it's so dramatic about you know unveiling the food finding out the secret thing that they did with it and the thing that it's also a comedy because the thing that happens when someone eats this very delicious dish is their clothes usually pop out and it's highly implied that they're having a very delightful experience. Um, And what makes that problematic 
is that these are like you know often high school age characters because it's set in a sort of school environment you know a cooking school and when i started reading it it was uh when it first started publishing in shonen jump and it kind of jumped in the middle of an arc and i thought it was a bit later on uh or it was a bit later on in the series and by that point i think that the team had developed a bit more of a uh they were focusing more on comedy more than titillating it wasn't until i went back to some of the earlier stuff that i was like ah i can see why some people don't like this because some of the earlier stuff when the food gasms happen you're a bit like uh, I don't know. Definitely how I feel like about this. younger looking characters where you're like, mm, that's a little. I mean, and you know, it's and it's not just it's, it's already skirting the line a bit when it's oh, it's all right. in good fun. But then when you're going all the way, just kind of like oh, I'm not sure. And that's you know, speaking in the past year, I felt that was kind of one of the flaws of this past year's worth of food wars that they kind of lost a little bit of the funny factor with some exceptions, but some of the stuff I felt was kind of regressing in that regard. Just, okay, this is getting a bit more just in the uh, titillating Okay, but to be fair, they are a lot of the time equal opportunity on that. A lot of the guys lose their clothes when they eat delicious food. (laughs) And there was a particularly hilarious one a few weeks back. (laughs) And and I think I talked about this with, or maybe I was on Twitter or something with uh, Vince, a fellow multiversity personality, I guess, <laughs> um, that it's really like one of the, when it comes to like the comics I'm excited to read each week, um, Food Wars is one of the top ones. And just because... Uh, I know the artist's name is Sakai, I believe. I forget, I'm forgetting the name of the writer, but they've really got a lock on the serialized format. Like, I'm glad that I'm reading, and I have the opportunity through, you know, the uh, American version of Weekly Shonen Jump to read it every week, to be on top of things, and to get that feeling of, like, you know, they always end in a way that you're instantly like, I need to read the next yeah. chapter. The, the writer is Yuto Sukuda. Yeah. Okay. And I guess, uh, so Zach, uh, how about you? I I probably would have said Food Wars as well. I think it's like consistently one of the like the like you kind of alluded to the most compelling in terms of just the storytelling and and, and everything. I it's probably my favorite. Um, after that, I would probably say One Punch Man. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, One Punch. One Punch Man, like, I feel probably in terms of, like, I, I think this is kind of like the difference between saying something is the best and saying something is the favorite. You know, One Punch Man is just, it, it's so well crafted. Uh, for those who are listening and aren't familiar with it, it's, you know, kind of a, well, not kind of, it's, you know, plays with a lot of superhero tropes and, you know, kind it's of parodies it. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely a comedy. Um, with a comedy that has like legit awesome fight scenes as well. Um, the art is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Abs- absolutely. Murata is so phenomenally yeah. good. 
Oof. Yeah. The the only problem with the series is that it it releases a little bit more infrequently and sporadically compared to some of the other series. Yeah, and that's why I think it, when it comes to it being serialized, I don't think it would be at the top of mind just because of that. Because it's pretty... Because it's, it's not even like some series where it's definitely monthly. It's And maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I'm wrong. I, 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 I don't think you are. I feel like there are like long spans where we won't get an issue or yeah, get a chapter. And then like this past week we got Like two or three, three yeah. It, it's monthly, I yeah. think, at, at the most frequent. Um, yeah and then sometimes you get like a chapter that's like 15 16 pages right and and he uses a lot of full page spreads so it's you know gone like that yeah one of the problems of 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 buying the physical versions of the manga is that those two page two page spreads sometimes get a little bit um like broken up because they're originally because you originally see them you know on your iPad, like, digitally, with no break in the middle. So you don't get, like, the full effect of his art, which kind of sucks, but yeah. Yeah, it's just so good. Like, he's he's dealing with all kinds of, of, you know, manga tropes in in very, like, satirical and interesting ways, Mm -hmm. and, and the humor is just on point, and the art is fantastic. The action is is fantastic. It's it's, it's just a great. It's really series. easy to follow too. Yeah. The the um Absolutely. fight scenes. And it really like honestly to me, like I said, I don't read that many superhero comics, but to me, it has like the most honestly the most creative superheroes I've seen in a while. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a he has a really lot of diverse cast. Like like stuff like. Watchdog man. <laughs> yeah, like like things you'll just see on the side. Like, yeah, I want to know more about that guy. Like fax machine man. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, re- it reminds me more of the Venture Brothers. I don't know if you watch that, Zach. <laughs> we're both fans of it. Where I'm familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They they just come up with all these like crazy superhero villain ideas, or yeah, I guess more like sci-fi goons. Um, and it's kind of similar to that. Uh, for the listeners who don't read it, a good example, or a bad example, depending on how you look at it, is this recent year, one of the prominent characters was a guy named Metal oh, Bat. Yes. Who is a du- <laughs> he is a dude with a metal bat. He's a, he's a delinquent. That's it. He's, he's kind of a play on the delinquent yeah. character in a lot of manga and anime. He's got, like, the pom- right. pompadour and everything. Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, Emily, uh, besides what we named, is there uh, one that sticks um, out to you most? Well, I would say One Piece. Um, through, I guess, like, well, this wasn't within the past year, but I was really into. I'm probably alone in this, but I really was into the Dress Rosa arc <laughs> when it was when it was being published. Um, even though it went on forever, uh, I kind of caught up to it like when it was towards the end so maybe to me it didn't seem that long but I thought it was really compelling at that point and um yeah I was just like well I was just really into One Piece at that point so I was like really into it even like past the end of Rosa into this next arc which I didn't really like that much at first and I still don't think it kind of has that spark that Rosa had but it's getting better 
Um, yeah, Zach. Yeah. Zach, Zach, you're not uh, reading One Piece right now, right? No, when I when I first started subscribing, I jumped into One Piece and kept up with it for oh probably about like thirty chapters, and then I got really mm-hmm. far behind. Yeah. And and wasn't crazy invested in it at that point anyway because I there was so much I didn't yeah. understand or you yeah. know, I had a hard time following anyway, so I didn't work as hard to catch up on it. So now I'm I'm not current on it. Yeah, and and for our listeners, there will be sometimes. Uh, you know, there we're not each reading every single thing that runs in the magazine. There will sometimes be bits where it's two of us talking about one thing rather than all three of us, and there are some that uh, just none of us are reading. Like I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm wrong, Zach. I don't think any of us are reading Yu-Gi-Oh Arc <laughs> V or is it is it is it Arc, Arc V or Arc Five? I'm not yeah. sure. I'm, I'm only reading um, when Kaiba sh- or oh my god when Kaiba shows up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I agree that, see, I started, uh, in the middle of the Dressrosa arc, which, and I can see that if you started about the same time as me, Zach, yeah, (laughs) it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit hard to understand. Um, and, um, I, I feel like, see, I have kind of like a gap in my one piece reading, you know, I've been reading it. I stuck through, despite as confusing as it got, I stuck through all the dress rows and I started in like the last third of it, which for those of our listeners who are coming here from more of a Western, you know, U.S. comics uh, background, this one arc of One Piece is longer than Sandman, <laughs> Transmetropolitan. <laughs> it's, it's like about a hundred chapters. It's ridiculous. Um, but so I kind of have like a gap in my reading. I've been catching up uh, with the volumes that we have here. Um, I recently ended back uh, at the end of Water, um, 7. Is it, the Water 7 arc, which is, what would you say currently? That's like the, that's only mm-hmm. one quarter of the way, maybe uh, a Water third? Water 7 is a little under halfway. When it ends, when okay, it ends. Okay, so more than I thought. But the thing that's uh, st- struck me recently is that Oda, you know, this series has been going on for a long time at this point, and he loves to introduce all these, like, crazy characters, and they're, you know, he has a lot of fun with it, and a lot of them are really cool. Uh, but some, it's starting, I think, to hold him back, because he's a very talented artist um, yep. as well as, you know, having, like, a wild imagination. He's just a good artist for the most part. But I noticed this past year, and especially before that with Dress Rosa, everything's so crowded because he's got so many characters who are present at a time and it really interrupts the flow because you're like kind of like you need to take a second to stare at the page and figure out okay what's going on here yeah um and then that used to be something i thought he was much better at you know his earlier stuff and it's partially because of the cast isn't so big though it does he does have a lot more yeah and and dress rosa there were some conceits or well contrivances for there not to be as many of the main cast members on the island. Um, <laughs> so it, it thinned out the, it thinned out the uh, main cast a little bit, but there were still so many characters. Just yeah. so many like supporting mm-hmm. characters. Um, but I do think that, and I agree that the beginning of this most recent arc, uh, which has to deal with, it's catching up with those characters who weren't present in Dressrosa and finding out what happened with them. And then, catching up with that though of course luffy is there but you know he he has to be there of course yeah. the main 
Um, at the beginning, it was a bit slow, but right now, it's I, I think in the past few weeks worth of uh, chapters have really gotten me a lot more interested in it than I've been in probably since I started reading it in Weekly Shonen Jump. Mm-hmm. Um, because unlike you, I wasn't like as invested in mm-hmm. Dressrosa yeah. itself. Um, and, and in particular, there's a we won't spoil the listeners who aren't caught up, but there's a good twist just a couple weeks ago that really I didn't see coming. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to sound like, oh, I'm, you know, so erudite about all these tropes and <laughs> comics that are made for children. <laughs> but um, but it, I think that he's, he's really, like, kind of got me hooked again, and I'm excited to see how it goes throughout 2017. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of the time, for me, uh, having read all of One Piece, um, the arcs are sometimes as strong as their villains, and I thought Dressrosa, Doflamingo, obviously, uh, was a really good villain that, like, kind of, like, defined that arc for me. thought he was really cool. And now, with Big Mom, I'm not as into it, but I feel like there's more interesting things going on on the side, and kind of like now with this new revelation that I'm like, okay, I can get into this. Um, yeah. yeah, like it, it, it started a little slow, and there was kind of some like weird like transition stuff that it, you know, if if you're just jumping into it, it would probably be impossible to follow. Um, but it's yeah, it's getting better. It's uh, it's definitely shaping up into something now, and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, Zach, you mentioned earlier uh, Black Clover. I don't think Emily, you're you're not uh, caught up no. with that. No, <laughs> I haven't read you? much of it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I myself uh, binged it basically shortly before. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Short shortly before my. Uh, law school semester recently resumed because you know I wasn't reading it at first because I read the first couple chapters I was like this is fine but uh, but you know I decided to get caught up with it when we decided to do this podcast and so Zach you you mentioned it first Uh, how do you yourself are you like a big fan of it or I uh, I wouldn't say that I'm a big fan of it it's I think it it was kind of a perfect storm of reasons why I've stuck with it 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 um it came about at a time when I was like it had like a, a very it was it was a little bit after I think I had started subscribing and I was very interested in like picking up a series and starting from the beginning. Okay. And it was one of the jump starts that I relatively like enjoyed and and was like glad that it got picked up. So I, I stuck with it and. Um, it's, it's very, very tropey in terms of, you know, like it's basically a blatant ripoff of like Naruto, essentially, especially those first few chapters, those first, just with, just with magic instead of ninjas. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you know, the sort of shonen fighting manga, but dressed up a bit like more European style fantasy. Exactly. And, and I mean, that's one thing I, you know, I'm just in general attracted to that kind of like genre the the european fantasy style um so there was that aspect the art i think is is generally very very good i I would agree a hundred percent so so there was that and and you know it's just it, it, it was just kind of something that i could easily 
that was enjoyable and I could kind of quickly digest. And so I've, I've stuck with it and, and yeah, I generally enjoy it. There, the, I, I kind of have problems with the pacing at times. There aren't very clear breaks between arcs. It's often kind of like you expect sort of like a, a, a kind of like lull chapter to, to bridge between two arcs, but you, you kind of just like jump right in and it's a little disorienting at times the cast is is very large and like continually growing and so it's often and a lot of the characters look similar to other characters which i I feel like can can be a an issue in a a lot of um manga but uh and, and then there there are some things you know similar to what we've discussed like aspects of the series that don't quite translate as well to to western culture um like I think one character has like a, a weird kind of obsession with his little sister. Oh boy, it's like weird at times. Yeah, um, it's it's something. I mean, but it's, it's not like but, but in general, it's not like a sexual thing, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not really, but it gets. I don't know. It's it's a little bit too close. It is very close. Um, yeah, so, it's a little, uh... I mean, it, it's it's definitely it's not like a well. Now there there was one arc where this one character was kind of in the forefront, and it was in your face like every single chapter, and it was yeah. just I actually kind of dropped off there for a while. <laughs> um, I can't blame you. That was pretty miserable. I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but but in general, like it's not. I mean, it's nothing like groundbreaking, but it is kind of like dumb fun. I guess it maybe is coming from like a more traditional superhero background. It's something like I'm, I'm used to kind of that junk food sort yeah. of, of storytelling and, and just the art is very, very good. And it, yeah, I, I, I don't think, know. I enjoy it. I, I think it's it when it comes to the art, the biggest fault is probably that the style, especially of the people individually, uh, it's this, the, the, it's a little bit generic, but the actual like technical ability is very impressive. Especially like you know uh, when he does these full page spreads of you know doing these like crazy magic spells. That's always very cool. Uh, it's always impressive uh, to me. Uh, but I, I agree, it's it's good enough when it comes to the story, and I do think that the central conceit. Uh, this also is pretty new, uh, so maybe a quick overview for the listeners. Uh, would the central conceit is that this is a world where you know everybody has a little bit of magic. You know, it's a magic-based society, and you know the realm is ruled by the wizard king, and you've got these magic knights and all that. And the main character is born with no magic <gasps> power. I know. <laughs> But he ends up instead, you know, getting this kind of anti-magic ability. And I think that's pretty... It's I, Unique isn't the right word. I know, like, similar things have been done, and we'll talk about something relatively similar <laughs> soon. Uh, but I, I think that it's handled in a way that it's it feels different, and it feels kind of neat. And he, there's always, like, different things that are done with his ability that still surprise me. He's, he's pretty inventive, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the, it's not... 
I, it's still pretty formulaic, but yeah. there are like a lot of, you know, Deus Ex Machina type resolutions to stories, but it it does kind of play against its tropes occasionally. Yeah. And so. uh, as I mentioned, I think that serves as a pretty good segue to uh, something that has a similar, but not quite the same uh, approach to its main character would be My Hero Academia. Uh, you're reading that, right, Zach? Um, I'm not current on it. I'm not quite caught up, but I, I have... I read it, a good chunk of it for a while, and then I... From when it started, and then I've read some of the, like, earlier volumes as they've been released, mm-hmm. so I am, like, fairly familiar with it. Yeah, it has yeah. an anime now. Um, <laughs> and it is... Yeah, yeah, it's an anime now. Um, I, I think... I've really enjoyed this past year of it. Uh, the whole premise recently has been with the the uh, kids aren't doing, I think it's their... Mm, it's their second year, I think. Their second year. And, you know, they're kind of moving into the dorms after this big uh, fight that ended up uh, depleting the powers of this mentor figure. Um, the whole the whole kind of conceit has been you know, similar to the Black Clover. This is a society where it's not it's different than Black Clover in that not everybody has some sort of superpower, but most people do, and it's kind of looked down on to not have one. And in this case, it's to make a comparison with uh, our own superhero background, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, you know, it's more like you know everyone's a mutant. Uh, you know, people who are born with these powers. And so instead, uh, the main character, Midoriya, is granted his powers. And that's a bit of a secret. Yeah, he, he um, isn't born with powers. Like, I think like 80% of the population has something, uh, a power called a quirk in the in the series. Um, but he is given his power by this character called All Might, who is kind of a constant figure throughout the series. And is... Uh, really inspired by American superheroes. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, it's an interest as someone who, you know, has one foot in one of those areas and one in the other. it's interesting to see how, you know, it mostly follows more, uh, Shonen-y Trump's. Jesus, now I'm saying it, Zach. (laughs) 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 Uh, Following more, you know, Shonen, uh, Trump, tropes it's, it's hard <laughs> uh, now that i've said it i can't tropes. unsay it uh but it, it's got like a lot of uh the dressing of it is very you can tell that he loves uh american superhero comics there's all these like you know fun references to you know oh that's you know all my silver <laughs> age so costume so cool yeah uh, um because you know Midoriya is this huge fanboy of All Might, like some people are fanboys of Batman or Superman, uh, you know, not naming any names. Um, <laughs> but, um, and so this recent arc has kind of moved into the stage where it seems like they're getting ready for Midoriya to move out of All Might's shadow because he kind of, he's the guy who granted him uh, similar powers of his own and he's learning not just how to use those, but to use them differently in a way that suits him better. E- and it also had, I thought... Oh, you go e- ahead. 
Oh, no, yeah, I was just going to say, like, his... Basically what Midoriya... Um, uh, he's also called Deku in the story. I'm not sure where that nickname comes from, but Deku is easier to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the main character, Deku, is um, kind of granted this power from All Might, but um, it's mostly like a punching power. It's just really strong, kind of like a Dragon Ball Z thing. You know, whoever punches the hardest. Um, but from what I understand, like, he can actually, like, you know, like, throw out his armor, like, kind of just wear out his power by punching too hard. So now he's kind of, like, developing new techniques uh, to fight people, like, kicking and stuff. So he's trying to, like... Um, yeah. Learn, basically, new right. ways of using Right, it. without, like... like That's, That suit, suit his own yeah. purposes. Right, without draining the power of this quirk, which is something that kind of just comes with it. It's something that can, like, debilitate you eventually and and not to venture into dc3 cast territory too much but that's kind of it it's got that sort of legacy feeling to it that i always loved when it came to dc comics and it's got it right from the get-go and it feels authentic like even though obviously all might didn't exist before my hero academia um it he does a very good job of getting that sort of feel that you get in like the whole like relationship of the character passing on yeah, the torch. Yeah, and there are, well. um, like, basically the story focuses on this, like, new class of, like, young uh, up-and-coming superheroes, and, like, you often hear them referencing, like, old superheroes. Like, some of them are related to them. Some of them, like, Deku, you know, like, obviously idolize All Might and these other superheroes, so you can kind of feel this, like, generational kind of, like, just feeling to the story like this has been happening for a while yeah. and they're inspired by these other heroes yeah it feels like it has yeah. real history too. yeah there's some pretty good world uh, yeah it's a very like well-developed world yeah yeah and the characters are really enjoyable i think i i like to think of this as as like the best x-men comic <laughs> that's being that's a right that's now. a good way to put um, it i think um, i think though that like he does have a lot of good ideas and good hero kind of like designs there are some that like kind of don't really hit me as hard or he seems like he's a little hesitant to like really um the mangaka is a kohei horikoshi sorry i don't think we mentioned that before um but oh, yeah. Yeah, like, like he's a really good artist. His, his style is really distinctive. I really like it. Um, but like some mm-hmm. of the some of the designs, I don't think really stick with me, or I just think they're a little silly. Um, as opposed to like all my or some of the more uh, the more memorable ones. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like the uh, issue you run into when you're doing what he's doing, where everybody is in a costume so that means everybody has yeah. to have a you know specific design it can't just be there's some dude in a suit and tie there's some dude in a t-shirt you know uh and sometimes i think some of those characters i i don't know this for sure but maybe like you know there are a couple characters who at the time were maybe only intended to like say a few lines but then he decided to yeah. do more with them and so yeah i think they're like slowly kind of creeping into the main story some of them yeah the one thing I'll say about this uh, past year in it, and particularly this past like uh, just a just past month, I think, um, 
And we've mentioned, of course, there are all the, just as in any sort of uh, genre, there's all these tropes uh, that come to play and that you you get familiar with. And, you know, this one recently, of course, Deku Midoriya, you know, he's got his sort of rivalish character, Bakugo, who's, you know, a hothead where Midoriya's nice. Uh, and they, of course, had their inevitable, you know, we have yeah. to fight. Sort <laughs> out our differences. Uh, <laughs> and at this, well, on the one hand, it's like, okay, this always happens. On the other hand, it was very good. <laughs> it was pretty good for, for was, that trope. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, they really they they sold because it was like kind of about them both coming to uh, terms with their own faults yeah. and everything. And yeah, I feel like yeah, go on. It, sorry. It, especially after like you know the recent arcs that you know ended with um, you know certain unfortunate circumstances happening, it it felt more natural. It didn't feel as like okay, we have to do this because this is right. what happens. It felt like this was a, this just kind of came about yeah. as it does. As I, I, I like that a lot more than yeah, I thought. I think, yeah, I think with Bakugo, I still don't like that character type. I mean, I still, I mean, obviously, you know, this is like a manga for, you know, 14-year-olds. And, and Bakugo is clearly like, you know, not supposed to be a super deep character. But what they've done with him, I'm like, okay, I guess he's developing towards something a little bit more mature. Um, certainly not my favorite character in My Hero Academia, but they're doing something with him. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, Zach, I know that uh, Emily hasn't kept up with this. How did you feel about the past year in uh, World Trip? Sorry, I must step away for a minute. I I have not been. I can't remember where I, when I dropped off in World Trigger. It was it was towards the what I I felt like was the end of um, that kind of like big um, invasion tournament. tournament oh, no, okay. it, was, it was after the invasion. Okay. Um, that the arc that followed with the kind of like it wasn't a tournament necessarily well, i guess it sort of was um the like squad based team battles yeah the uh it's the hold on i have i took a cup a little bit of notes here i think it's uh rank wars rank wars yeah the rank it. wars yeah I, I got a pretty good way into that and then kind of fell off um and that's exactly my beef with it. Um, my understanding is it recently went on hiatus. I, I, I believe to... so. I think the the creator is having health problems and oh, that's too bad. Break. Yeah, but it, I really was. I, I thought the story was pretty interesting. I liked that whole invasion arc that you know kind of was most of last year and closed out this year. Um, but. Then it immediately went back to what was going on before these. You know, he basically does uh, these kind of, you know, tournaments of these, like, kid soldiers, which you know, sounds weird when you put it like that, but that's what they are. Um, and he's kind of got these, like, you know, interesting systems that he's come up with about how they've got uh, what, uh, Trion or Trion, not sure how it's pronounced, it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, but he's clearly thought up this, like, way that these people fight and you've got these like chapters that are just kind of these little you know play not play but you know, skirmishes for them all to kind of test themselves and it's kind of just him uh showing off of oh look what i thought up and it was fine the first time and 
when it, after especially after that invasion arc when the plot kind of got moving man it just kind of ground everything to a halt again and i can't i i hope his health gets better of course but and uh i'm just not really missing it too much after that <clears throat> yeah it, it's it it was he's got a very good clean art style you know it's uh very clear for the most part what's going on uh he's got a his style isn't like you know extremely different but there's a way that his characters are built that i think uh sticks out though they kind of they can especially with this like large cast at this academy slash military group sort of setup with how many there are there can sometimes be a little bit of confusion and his ideas are pretty cool but man you just have chapter of chap upon chapter of just like these fights and obviously you know that's just shonen in general but the thing is that he's got these commentators going on kind of like explaining you know what happened and I'm like, I get it, dude. You take a lot of pride in what you came up with, and that's great. But it really just bogs everything down to me. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, any uh, series that we haven't ta- touched on yet that uh, you wanted to bring up, Zach? No, I, I think we've pretty much covered everything. There are a couple of monthly series that I'm I'm very far behind on. Um, yeah, we're 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 certainly missing and, and and Blue Exorcist. Yeah, Blue Exorcist. I I do read Seraph of the End, um, but if, if nobody else is caught up on that, that's fine. I myself, I I don't read Blue Exorcist. I'm not planning on catching up with it. Um, I did actually see earlier, right before this started, I saw Jess and Ken, fellow multiversity <laughs> writers, talking about it. So maybe when they listen to this, they'll be like, "No, you've got to read it." <laughs> and maybe I maybe I will then. Um, um, but and no, oh, I was gonna say, yes. uh, did we talk about Ole Golaza? Or oh well, that was no, one. Sorry, yeah, that was uh, one of the jump starts that we yeah. passed by. It was, and I do, I do. That was probably the one I forgot to mention. Uh, Ole Golaza was a jump start that I personally wish I had come in. It was a sports comedy sort of thing about a guy who was in a martial arts club and was expelled and he had to find a different club and so he decided to start playing soccer and you know he doesn't know how to play but the thing is he can kick <laughs> right. and boy boy can he kick um, and it was a lot of fun but it yeah the conceit stick. of a lot of sports manga is that like the main character has one special ability that they're really good at and it's like really unconventional um, so yeah. that was yeah it, it was fine and it was pretty it was pretty funny and i thought it brought something different mm-hmm. but i guess not enough other people thought so there were three series that ended in 2016 and i don't think any of us read them uh, we had bleach toriko and well okay i'll admit i did read nisekoi <laughs> yeah you did who was yeah. your favorite girl now, <laughs> i i do i do not have a best girl uh for nisekoi no waifu no waifu yeah they're all like 16, unfortunately right? Yeah, something like that. Um, but did uh, neither of you finish either Bleach or Toriko? No, right? I... No, I... Go ahead, Zach. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I tried to get into both of those um, early on when I started subscribing. And, and I really did like um, the art in Bleach. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very stark and, and interesting, like very yeah. stark. But I, I liked that. Um, Toriko, I couldn't get into like from the get go. I was see, I was following Toriko for a bit. It was uh, shortly after like there was like this thing with the Monkey King that I just kind of got lost. <laughs> in. I never got I that guy. I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I when I tried it. I, I was like barely. I was like hanging on by a thread. That I was like, this is so weird. It's pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm going to read it anyway. And then it just reached a certain point yeah. where it's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I can't do this yeah, anymore. Yeah, same with me. Like, I jumped on, I think, maybe a little after you did, Walter. And it was, like, intriguing for a while, even though I didn't really know what was going on. Like, there were some neat designs, and it kind of reminded me of JoJo and just how, like, like the, the physiques of the main characters. <laughs> it definitely had a JoJo vibe going and on. It, and kind of like JoJo's, it has a it has an almost horror element yeah. to it at points like when he drew he drew some really grotesque things at points that were, were like whoa <laughs> yeah. what's going on here it, it just got um, too weird for me i had to stop i i yeah, yeah it, it, i mean you're the jojo's fan is there such a thing as too <laughs> weird ah, good point Touché. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it just became it was just got too hard to follow. I couldn't even pretend yeah. that I... I never knew what was going on, but I could at least pretend yeah. I knew. To be fair, uh, I guess this is really one of those series that you really just have to start from the beginning. But even then, I... To be fair, I even knew some people who read Toriko from the beginning, and they still had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> they were like, I've been reading this since chapter one, and I'm confused. So, I don't know what that says about uh, Toriko as a whole, but... Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I uh, believe that's it for us this first installment. Uh, unless you guys have anything else you wanted to... Uh, um, I don't think so. Mention. I think we covered a good bit of it. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, you know, thank you all for listening. Once again, uh, if you have forgotten what the next manga club book club section will be we're going to be talking about monster uh we're probably going to be sticking to the first volume or volume or second the first two volumes it depends it was recently published um yeah they call it the perfect edition uh it contains the equivalent of the first the original first two paperbacks so if your uh local library if you like getting your manga there has the older single, you know, slimmer paperbacks, it'll be the first two. We might, you know, depending on how much each of us catches up with, uh, you know, we, Emily and I have read it all before. Mm-hmm. I don't think Zach has, but, you know, we might touch on a bit on other things, but most of our discussion will probably be centered towards uh, what is the equivalent of that uh, first perfect edition volume. And I will say they are very lovely books, some of like the nicest looking books I have on my shelf that are paperback. Yes. Uh, if, if you are really into that, like I am. <laughs> um, and we'll get to, you know, more specific talk about what happened in the previous month worth of uh, recent, you know, of uh, current ongoing series and weekly Shonen Jump. And 
yeah, I think yep. that's it. All right. Yeah. If, um, if you guys, um, any listeners want to reach out to us with comments or, or questions or anything, um, feel free uh, to leave a comment on this page. I believe this will be posted on multiversitycomics.com. A great place to go for comics related news and information. Or um, you can reach out to us on, on Twitter I, if you guys are cool with giving out your uh, Twitter handles. If you're not, I, I understand. But I, I, I can, you can tweet at me. I'm at SirFox89. Uh, I'm at Waltor. That's W-A-L-T-O-R-R. Two R's. <laughs> yeah, and I'm at, uh, at 1,000 throws. Um, it's the number 1,000 and then just throws. It's a JoJo reference. <laughs> Feel free to tweet at me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we recorded this with Zencaster. You can have your own podcasts uh, if you use their free service, having uh, up to two guests and one host if you're so inclined. Yep. All right. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you come back next month when we discuss Monster. Yep. The end. The end. Bye, guys. <laughs>